Welcome to Connection Church's podcast. This week, Brandon and his wife Susan share a message entitled Married with Children. Together, Brandon and Susan each look at the biblical instruction for wives and husbands. They ask the question, are you getting the most out of what God is desiring for your marriage or relationship? All right, so it's short and sweet, but just a little taste of of us in our younger days. Yes, honey, if you're speaking, you do have to come up on the stage. I'd love to be able to let you sit right there and talk, but it's probably not going to work. So uh, one thing real quick, and I forgot, I left my announcement sheet down there. It's hard to do announcements if you don't know the announcements. But one thing that that is very important is we're trying to raise 3,000 cans of food um, for the food bank by the end of March, okay? It sounds like a lot, but basically if we'll all bring about three or four cans a week, that's all it'll take. And judging by what we have so far from last week, we only need like 2,990 more cans. And we'll, and we'll have reached our goal. So I want to encourage you strongly. Just go by, listen, if you want to bring some ramen noodles, whatever, you, just college kids, just raid your cabinet, bring the ramen noodles, put them back. They can eat those two macaroni and cheese. Anything not cooked though, don't bring it cooked, bring it in the box. And then we'll, we'll put it in the back and you guys, I mean, it'll be such a blessing for uh, the food bank. He gave out a lot of food around Christmas and you know we're in a tough economic time. And so it's an opportunity for us to really show the love of Christ to uh, the people who are dependent upon the food bank. And so I want to encourage you strongly, begin to do that and I'm sure we can meet this goal. I know we can. So a little challenge. Um, today, real quick, i just give you a, a brief introduction. Um, if Susan vomits, it's um, because she is so nervous. Um, but... <laughs> but I promise once she gets started, I won't get to say anything. And, um, but we've been talking about this for a while and we sort of planned it and, and you know, it ended up being on Valentine's day. Honestly, we really didn't in, intend on that. It just sort of worked out that that's the day it fell on. But I thought how appropriate that she and I could come and give a talk together, a little message to you about marriage. And, you know, in November, we were married uh, for 10 years in November. And so we made it 10. And so that makes us automatic experts, I'm sure. Um, on everything that has to do with marriage. But we wanted to share some things with you, um, and specifically out of Ephesians 5. And we're familiar with that scripture because look, everybody's going to their Bibles. I like it. Uh, Ephesians 5, because that's the scripture we so often hear where, where um, um, Paul tells us in that that we should love our wives as Christ loves the church and, and tells the wives, and, and guys always like this, the wives to submit to their husbands. And we're like, yeah, submit, woman. And, and so we... We like these, these scriptures, but, but you know, I've never heard people talk a lot about what does it actually mean to love your wife as Christ loves the church? What does it actually mean to submit to your husband? And so we want to begin to look at that today. So whether you are here and you are in a marriage right now, um, and, and, and it's something that's geared directly at you, or whether you're a college student and maybe you haven't uh, even begun to think about marriage yet, you're like, you know, forbid it right now. And whether you, maybe you've been divorced, it doesn't, listen, you're going to hear the love of Jesus Christ today, okay? It's the love he has for his church. And so wherever you are today, I believe that God will be able to speak to you through what we're going to talk to you about today. Um, To begin with, I simply want to read to you this scripture. I want us to look at how did Christ love the church. It's Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. And we love the way this starts. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. But listen to this. Husbands, 
Love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. God, I thank you for the opportunity to be up here with my wife. I thank you, Jesus, that we can share this time together. Father, uh, we just yield this to you. I pray that your word, God, would be, be sharp like a double-edged sword, God, that it would, would cut deep to our soul and to our spirit, and God, it would lay us open, and God, that you would begin to heal us from the inside out. And I pray that it would find great soul in our hearts and produce an incredible harvest. God, a hundred times that which is sown today. May our marriages and the future marriages of those people represented here today be a testimony to the love of Jesus Christ in every place that the sole of our foot treads, God. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' mighty and awesome name, amen. Amen. Take it away, Sue. This is Bishop Susu, by the way. That's her, little, that's her nickname. Okay, this is, this is what I do. I hold things for her. We dated. Oh, wow, there it is. John. <laughs> Thank you, John. Can you hear me now? Um, we dated for a long time before we actually got married. We dated 10 years before we got married. 10, 20, something like that. <laughs> a long time. Um, we did what we tell every teenager not to do. We were serious boyfriend girlfriend at that time, if you can call it boyfriend girlfriend. We met at the meetings, I think. Yes. That's what we did. Yeah, the first movie we went and saw was Joe versus the Volcano. Anybody remember that movie? <laughs> Yeah, we went, we went and saw it five times because at that point in Statesboro, there was only two theaters. And the other movie was probably worse than Joe versus the Volcano, so that's the one we chose to go and see. We did all kind of silly things. I was, as we were preparing to um, do this, I, I was kidding Brandon yesterday. I dug through my drawers and I said, um, I said, what do you think I should wear tomorrow? And I, had, I came out of this closet and I had on this shirt. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good-looking guy. So we did all kind of crazy things. That yeah. means it's going to drive me crazy. Isn't it? It's funny, like, the stuff you will do when you are dating, you know? And so... Okay. Yeah, okay. We'll get the microphone. So it, we are actually going to auction, auction this shirt. I'm sure it would go for a lot. Is that better? Oh, goodness. I don't know if I like that as well. <laughs> um, as Brandon talked about a couple weeks ago, um, he was talking, about, he used the reference in the scripture about how um, don't yoke yourself an ox with a donkey. Um, I'm not going to use the King James version that he used that day. <laughs> um, but I did that. Um, we, like I said, we started dating. I was in seventh grade and he was in eighth grade. So I was 12 and he was 14. Um, <laughs> 
um, teenage, um, teenagers, you don't do that. Um, <laughs> but we, we did start dating, and we dated all through high school, all except for six months when he went to find himself. Um, <laughs> so, um, and th- throughout that time... I, did you sense some bitterness in that? <laughs> we'll talk about that in a little bit, um, about forgiving. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but throughout that time, we, um, I, I had a relationship with Jesus. I went to church. I was brought up in church, um, did the small group thing, did the youth group thing. And he did go to church, but it was only because I was going to church. And he did, um, I think for about four months, have a relationship with, with Jesus and was on fire with Jesus. Um, and then kind of slid down from there. So, um, you know, the best advice that someone gave me was, I think I was a, either a freshman or sophomore in high school. They said, go ahead and start praying for your spouse. Pray that they'll be the, um, ahead of the home and they'll be a godly man. Well, I did that. But I didn't know that I should make a um, level of how hard I should pray because I didn't know he was going to become a preacher. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> I didn't know that I was prepared to be a preacher's wife. But, um, but that was the best advice that God gave me was to prepare, I mean, to pray for my husband, my future husband. Um, and so that's what I did. And so we were married 10 years after we dated. Um, we, um, at that time, he was not living for, for God. Um, but thank the Lord that, you know, God had, did have his hand on us and it worked out for the best and it worked out that were, God, um, was able to, to yoke us together like we are supposed to be. Amen. How many of you guys would say that like, if it weren't for your, your wife, and I know a lot of families are out today, but if it weren't for your wife, you'd be in big, big trouble. I mean, I know that that was, that was me, right? I would be, and, and the ones who didn't raise their hand are just embarrassed, but... <laughs> The, the, the funniest thing is I would have been so done if it had not been for Susan. I mean, truly, I went to church simply because she was there. I thought I might get to hold her hand behind our back, you know, in the pew. Um, I didn't really understand it. didn't really understand why I was there. Most of the songs I couldn't understand. And so I was kind of like, eh, it's good. We get to go eat afterwards. And so I would go and I would hang out. And, and it was so funny, though. I mean, I, I remember... Um, I remember even telling Susan during that time, I would say, Susan, why are you with me? Why are you with me? She even told me back then, and I don't know if she remembers this, she said, I felt, I felt like I would always be a pastor's wife. And she would tell me that, and I'm like, well, why? <laughs> what are you doing? Look at me. And yet she was always a constant source of God's grace in my life, probably the greatest source of grace that I've ever encountered, that I've ever been a part of. And, and Finally, when I was 24 years old, we'd been married or been married for four months. Um, I had an encounter with Jesus that totally rocked my world, changed my life forever. And I truly believe that even though we had been married for four months, our marriage really didn't start until I had given my life to Christ and I was living for him. It was a huge adjustment for her because she, when I came home from that retreat, man, she had to take a back seat to me because you talk about zealous, man, I was zealous. You know, we were about to go and tackle the entire world and change it. And, and so she was so used to being that spiritual leader. And when I came in and tried to start doing that, it was kind of odd for her. And so, but I did step into that role and, and things began to get better. We began to be um, faithful to God to, to eat with each other. Um, and then lo and behold, here comes the first child, right? 
And uh, absolutely incredible how that rocks your boat, especially when you're somebody selfish like me, you know. I mean, I, I like my time. Um, Sean Fox and I have had many conversations about this, about wearing our big boy pants. And, and so you get to this place where, you know, the baby's up. I can't go do what I want to do when I want to do it. I can't take a nap when I want to take it. And there's so many things going on, and it's just pulling at my flesh. And I remember specifically one night, Dake was up, and, and you know, and this is, I'm supposed to be saved at this point. And Dake was up all night. We had given him some medicine that was supposed to make him sleepy. Not to, uh, We weren't drugging him to go to sleep. We were... <laughs> giving him like cold medicine that was supposed to make him sleepy, but it had the reverse effect. Any of you ever had that happen where you're like, oh, thank God, we'll get a good night's sleep tonight. And then it's like, Wah! you know, so like two thirty, three o'clock in the morning, we're in there and the baby's screaming and he just will not go to sleep. And finally, you know, those big, big um, balls that you buy, the exercise ball, like you do, you buy them and then they just sit around and you never do anything on them. Well, we had one of those, and I'm walking him around, and Susan's over there. She's going crazy, and I'm like, wham, and finally, I just kick this huge ball. It goes ricocheting around the room, and I mean, I'm just so mad, so we're like, finally, well, let's just go get in the car, and we'll go and just drive him around, and maybe he'll go asleep, so we're riding around middle ground out where we live. We're out there and just riding around, riding around, riding around, and if you've ever seen, you want to see people get, man, you should have seen some excited South Georgia people yesterday when it started snowing. My goodness. There were like snowmen everywhere. This is, so, and this is totally a rabbit trail, but I got to tell you this. This is so redneck, but we took a Tupperware container top, one of the big ones. I hooked it to the back of the four-wheeler, and I drug our kids all around the yard. It was so cool. You watch Fox News, and you see like these professional sleds up north. These kids are going down. Then they flip over to Mississippi, and the guy was pulling his kids behind him, behind his tractor in a John boat in like a big flat bottom boat. And I'm like, there we are, you know, but we're riding around middle ground and we're just cruising around. And finally it gets quiet. And we're like, Oh Jesus, thank you. Oh man, we can go home and go to bed. And kind of at the same time, we both turn around and we look in the back seat and Dake was like this. He's just looking out the window. He looked like his eyes were propped open with toothpicks. And we're true. We're like going nuts, man. We're having a fit because we can't get this kid to sleep. And you just start seeing, though, that the, the children come, the pressure comes, stress starts coming. And if we're not careful, it begins to drive a very serious wedge between us and our spouse. Um, I know a lot of times women, we, we tend to go totally to the children and begin to take care of them. Men seem to spend more time at work, you know, especially if you have a couch where you can sleep to get a little rest. Um, but, but we begin to see different stressors come in. And today we want to talk to you a little bit about the things that we believe have to happen in order to make a marriage work. And we want to look specifically at how did Christ love the church? And I want to read to you verse 25 again out of Ephesians chapter 5. It says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Think about this. One of the most awesome things that Jesus did was that he gave himself up for the church, right? So what does that tell us, guys? If we're supposed to love our wives as Christ loved the church, we're supposed to give ourselves up for her. So that one of the most difficult things for us, because we're selfish human beings, is to sacrifice ourselves for our wives, Isn't it difficult to do that? And I'll tell you this, selfishness is the enemy of sacrifice and service to your spouse. If you want to write anything down today, write that down. Selfishness 
is the enemy of sacrifice and service to your spouse. And what we have to begin to see, people, is that Jesus Christ laid his life down. He was very God. He was God. He comes and he lays himself down, making himself in the form of a servant and living a life of of service to us. I mean, how awesome is that? When I was thinking about this, I couldn't help but think about the time that Jesus washed the disciples' feet. How many of you are familiar with that passage? It's right before Jesus is going to be crucified. And here he is sitting around with these, these nasty old fishermen and these, uh, these uh, tax collectors. And I mean, the worst of the worst, right? And, and here he is. He comes and he's about to be crucified. And he wants to leave them with an example that they'll never forget. And so he comes and he, he says, listen... Uh, he, he, he takes off his upper garment, he wraps it around his waist, and he gets down and he takes the, the basin of, of water and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. And so in honor of that, since we've got a smaller crowd today, if we could go ahead and get the water brought in, we're going to do a foot washing today because we want to symbol. I'm just kidding, y'all don't panic. It's like, but have you ever been a part of one of these things? I mean, it's really a cool experience. Me and a buddy of mine, he's here today, and he will remain nameless. I'm, I'm actually not going to say his name today. We're a part of this. The very first time I ever was a part of a foot washing, and, you know, we had no prior warning. So that if we had known, there probably would have been a pedicure, or at least maybe um, I'm cutting our toenails a little bit, a little something, you know, to, to make them more presentable. But we go, and, and, and they spring this foot washing on us. And all of a sudden, we're there, and they're like, hey, Brandon, why don't you and come and demonstrate this for us? And so we get up, and I'm like, demonstrate? I've never done this in my life. And they want me to demonstrate it. So I go, and, and I've got the, and I'm just kind of logical thinking, right? They've got the water, and they've got a towel. I'm figuring dip the, water, the towel in the water and buff them feet. <laughs> And so I'm sitting there, I've got my plan together, and then my buddy takes off his shoes, and it was like, Whoa! and I was like, oh, and I thought, man, one move, one bad move, and it could be fatal. If I cut my wrist right there, man, it is going to be bad news. And so, and so I'm there, and, and I just take the towel, I dip in it, especially at this point, I'm like, I ain't touching them things. And so... I take my, that towel and I dip it in there and man, I am buffing. I look like a shoeshine boy. I'm going to town. And then I'm like, now what do I do? Because his feet are wet. We've got nothing to dry our feet with. And I'm like, oh, well. So they finally go and get us another towel. I think because I did such a bad job, they put me in charge of having to be the water exchanger. And so there's nothing like toting water and dumping it and getting fresh water after about 25 of people's feet have been down in that water. It is lovely. It makes you not want to eat that soup you get at the Japanese restaurant anymore. It's just not very good. And so we get to be a part of this. And it, it made me realize so much more what Jesus had done for everybody. It made me realize so much more the love that Christ had. I mean, think about this. He is the king of kings. The foot washer was the lowest person that you could possibly be. And here Jesus is. He comes and he gets on his hands and knees. I mean, the God of the universe is on his hands and knees. And he is washing these people's feet. Listen, they didn't wear Nikes back then. I mean, they had to have some nasty, funky feet, you know? I mean, they had to be bad. And he's down there washing their feet. And I can see this group of arrogant men sitting around a table going, I'm not being the foot washer. That's for a slave. That's for a servant. And I'm not doing it. 
And so they all just choose to sit around with dirty feet until Jesus gets up and he says, I'm going to leave you an example that you'll never forget. It was an example of sacrifice, an example of service. And when we begin to lay our selfishness down, man, we can begin to love our wives as Christ loved the church through acts of service and kindness and just loving them the way that they deserve to be loved. Sue, I'm going to let you talk some today, I promise. Um, I'm going to read a little bit earlier in Ephesians. It's Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. And I'm going to read out the Message Bible just because um, the way it stated this, I really liked. It, um, there's one part in particular I really liked. It said, watch what God does and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. That's the part I like, man. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Um, I was thinking about this and sacrifice, and the part it says, it says, keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. You know, women, especially if we spend time with our husbands, if we, um, you know, hang out with them, do the things that they like, obviously we're going to get to know them better. When we get to know them better, we're going to want to do things for them. If, um, if Brandon's gone all day and I'm gone all day and we haven't spent each time, much time together, when he comes in, I'm not going to want to, you know, oh, here's a drink of water. Or, you know, I'm going to want to spend some time with him first. Um, just like Christ wants us to spend time with him, that's what he wants us to do with our spouses. And um, that's when our hearts become right and we want to do things for our husbands. Um, his love was not cautious. When I read that, I was thinking about it, you know, how often we are, as, as people, we are so cautious about how we respond to different, I mean, not, even our, not just our spouses, but other people. We're cautious about the words we say. We're cautious about our actions. But he says in this verse, and it's, compare, it's talking about um, how Christ is to us, but think about this in your head about how we are to our husbands and wives. His love was not cautious. Um, don't be afraid to give all your heart to your husband. Don't, give, don't be earned to your wife. Um, you know, love your spouse and don't hold anything back. Um, it's easier for us women to submit to our husbands when we do this, when we think this way, when we're, we know everything about them, when we are, we're such in love with them, it's easier for us to submit to them. And, and on the other hand, it'll be easier for them to love us like Christ loved the church also. Um, wives, you need to understand and support your husband in a way that shows the support for Christ. Just as Christ supports the church, that's how we should support our husband. Um, there's times when Brandon comes in and he may have had a hard day. He may have had a, um, encountered a, somebody that had a bad day. And not, normally it's not just one, it's several throughout the day. Um, and that, you know, that he can come home and sometimes have that just not dang on attitude, but just that kind of, oh, goodness, you know. And so when he comes in, if I'm not, if I respond to him in that way, that's only going to get worse as the night goes on. Um, so I need, and I try to, rem- I need to do a better job. I'm not saying we're perfect. But if I do this, what the scripture is telling us to, you know, and learn like, like Christ loved the church, I'm more likely to respond in the appropriate way. Um, 
talking about sacrifice, <laughs> this is one of the biggest sacrifices I think that I've ever done for him. I do not like to speak in front of people. I, this is, <laughs> um, he, he brought this up in front of a leadership about three months ago that we were going to speak. He said, I want, you know, I want us to do a sermon together. Well, here we are and 10 other people around us. What am I going to say? I just, just looked at him like, are you kidding me? Um, so I didn't, I never answered. And they were like, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. That sounds great. And I'm thinking, you're an idiot. You're crazy. I'm not doing this. Um, and so we, I, he never, and so then he starts texting me. I need to know if you're going to do this. Are you going to do this with me? And I never, I'm like, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. And finally I started um, realizing that this would make him happy if I did this, even that as much as I was against it, I knew that it would be a sacrifice that I should take. So last night we were on our Valentine date and we're, we have our pieces of paper writing things down. And I don't know if y'all know how Brandon prepares for a sermon. I mean, he spends time all week with God and God will give him a scripture. Well, he doesn't get the message until Sunday morning normally. Well, that's not me. I don't do that. I have to have, you know, it all written down. Well, Brandon comes up here with a sticky note, and I come up here with like three or four pieces of paper. So that's the difference in, in us. And so this was a huge sacrifice that I could give for him. And what's cool about it is it is exactly that. It's a gift that she gave to me. And so like today, I gave her a gift also. Most of you know that I never wear a jacket to church, and usually I have on jeans. Well, today I have on a jacket, not because she wanted me to wear a jacket, but because she wanted me to wear this shirt. And so... And I'm burning. I can't keep it on anymore. But just so you know, that was like this Pepto-Bismol shirt I've got on. It's it was not her, Pepto-Bismol. And this it's got is, white and red This is it. my gift to her today. So, and I just encourage you, when, when you get married, if you're married, give gifts to your, your spouse. The things that, that you normally wouldn't do, do for them. And you'll be surprised at how it begins to, to make them want to do for you. And it's not, you, it's not like you're manipulating them to get what you want. It's just loving them the way Christ loves the church. And then they'll begin to love you in the same way. And one of the things that I thought about as we were preparing this... He said he was going to let me talk. Preparing He's not this doing message, that. I forgot something I wanted to say. <laughs> is that we so often look at it and go, well, the Bible says that the woman ought to submit. You know, get submit to me, woman. You know, give me something to drink. That's too much ice. Take some of that ice. You know, and we just tell them, you know. But see, what's cool about this is that the Bible says, woman, submit to your husbands. But then it says, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. And so what's awesome about this is we think we've got something in Wives, submit to your husbands. And then Paul goes, wait, before you get too excited, let me throw a big umbrella over that one little statement, husbands, and charge you with something so much bigger. Not only are you going to serve your wife, but you're going to cherish them. You're going to love them. You're going to sacrifice for them. And he throws all of this stuff, this big umbrella that, that is so much more vast than just submitting to our wives. I mean, Christ submitted to us. He submitted to, to us, took the form of man, became subservient to God so that he could die on a cross and forgive us. And so we have to take that same example and be willing to submit and support our wives. And I know she loves the way I submit. So. You do a good job. Um, wives, think about all of your duties, especially if you're a mom. But even if you're not a mom, you know, most of us work in today's world. We, we work all day. We back up a little bit. We get up, we get dressed. Normally, if we have children, we get them dressed, get their backpacks packed. We do all these things. Then we, get, we go to work and do all our work duties. And then we come home. 
we cook or go to Snookies, and then we, um, <laughs> and then we um, come home, make sure the kids' homework is done, wash clothes, make sure you know, the house looks okay, and then we go to bed. Where is your husband in that? Where does he fall in that? Um, I know so many times that I, when I, as soon as I walk in those doors, the kids were running at me, mama, 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 do this, do this, you know, and, and I do it. Um, you know, the, I don't cook very much, so I'm not using that as an excuse. Um, but I feel like there's, there's laundry to be done. There's toys to be picked up. There's dishes to be washed. There's all these things. And by the time I get done with those, kids to be put to bed, kids to be bathed, the time I get done with those, Brandon's already asleep. I mean, he's in bed long gone. He, makes me sound like a no, bomb. He I does. <laughs> he does help with those duties. I'm just saying. By the time I, <laughs> like, he's been asleep for hours. <laughs> I wasn't meaning it like that. By the time he's asleep after the kids, but by the time I get through with the washing dishes and that kind of stuff, normally he was asleep. Well, I realized. Let me tell you. When we first got married, we lived in Waynesboro, and we. Um, Live, we rented a house and didn't have a dishwasher. That was the best thing in the world because he helped me wash dishes. But ever since we got a dishwasher, for some reason, he doesn't do any. I mean, he doesn't do it. <laughs> um, he's great at other things, but dishwashing, he's, he's not very good at. Um, but anyway, I have lost my train of thought. Anybody got an extra room? <laughs> it was your idea to do this. I know, I realize that. Um, but my point was, about two months ago, I realized that that time that Brandon and I had at night was so important. Um, I realized that I needed to, to put down those things that I thought were important, things that I thought had to be done before I laid my head down to, to go to sleep. I realized that just um, sitting in him with, with him in the den, just talking about the day or just talking about anything about life in general was a sacrifice worth taking for me. I needed to, um, those things could hold off until the next day. It didn't matter if two, two piles of clothes were on the floor in the, in the um, dining room or if dishes were in the sink. Obviously, if people were coming to my house, I wanted it to look a certain way, but I even had to look over that. If they dropped by and saw that, you know what? It was okay because I knew how important that time was to spend with him in the evening. So um, that was one sacrifice that I realized just a couple months ago that I needed to make. Um, and what's cool about that, too, is like the more that we spend time together, the more I find myself doing those kind of things for, too. I mean, it just kind of works off of each other. And I, I, I actually washed all the clothes a couple of weeks ago. Did. I, I, I did. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, and, and so, listen, I'm a work in progress. <laughs> And yeah, so, so we're getting there. We're getting there. And, um, one of, and I, I one plead of the, the blood. Yeah. One of the biggest um, sacrifices I think as parents that we make is, um, it's very easily, especially as a mom to, to spend the time with the kids. We, um, we feel like just yesterday I told Brandon Jackson came up to me and he said, mommy, will you play with me? And I said, baby, I've got to do this. And he said, mommy, will you please play with me? Well, I mean, that was my three-year-old and broken my heart. Just, oh, I wanted to go play with him. But I knew that in order to do the things that I would have to spend time with Brandon later on, that I had to get those things done. Now, that's probably one in a, a million times when I turned down my child to play with him. But as a parent and as a mom especially, like I said, sometimes you do have to say, honey, you go play. Honey, you go find something to do. 
and spend time with your husband. Um, I think that's important. And for me, too, one of the things that I have to realize is, like, for me, if I walk in the kitchen and there's three bags of trash. Four, five, six, normally. I normally don't. It, it just, if there's a dish in the dish in the sink, I'm like, okay. You know, those things don't bother me. And so I'm having to, I have to learn. You think after 10 years, but I'm having to learn and, and, and actually respond to the things that she wants me to do, the things that she, that, that matter to her. You have to begin to pick up on these small little bits of communication. Like when she trips over a bag of trash in the kitchen, it's time to take it out, you know? And so I've tried to begin to learn that and, and, and begin to look at that and truly go back and begin to realize that if I'm going to be the husband God created me to be. I've got to love her um, as Christ loves me. And so come to that place. And so there's times of sacrifice, just like this morning, um, five o'clock, we got to bed late. We were talking late about the message and different things. And so I got to bed late anyway. And at five o'clock this morning, I hear, Brandon, what? It's like, what? And it was that, that, that Brandon, like, you know, something's wrong. And I was like, what? And she's like, I heard something. I'm like, heard what? She's like, I heard a door open and, and feet. I heard people walking. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, what in the world? And so I'm up, I'm, my adrenaline's flowing. And so I go into the closet and I close the door and I'm, no, I didn't really do that. But I go into the closet and, and I grab two golf clubs. They were, they were Dake's little golf clubs. I didn't get mine because I figured I can swing these faster. And so I go and I grab two golf clubs. I throw one to her and I'm like, let's go. And so we walk through the, down the hallway and we're going through, I mean, all the doors are locked. Nobody's in the house. And now I'm wide awake. I mean, it was like six o'clock before I fell back asleep. The alarm went off at 630. And so no sleep, but you know, I didn't harbor bitterness about that. And, uh, you know, but there are things, there are times like that, like this morning when she got up a little earlier than I did, she took a nice, hot, long shower and I took a nice, short, cold shower and I didn't get bitter about that because I was sacrificing for my wife and, and, and trying not trying to love her as Christ. I don't think Jesus would have pouted had he taking a cold shower. So you got to talk into that thing if you want. Uh, all right. Well, it, we're, we're talking a long time. She's taking up all the time. And so we're, we, we're going to move along real quick to get you out of here. But the next thing we want to talk to you about real quick, I want to read verse 26 to you. It says to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, cleansing her, making her holy. And I believe that this speaks to the forgiveness that Jesus has given us. He's forgiven us, the church. He's forgiven the people, the body of Christ. And we have to be able to extend that same forgiveness to our spouse. Um, think about this. God has given us his grace, his unconditional, unmerited. It means we don't deserve it. His love, his favor. Um, he has placed that upon our lives. It's by grace. It's, it's not deserved. It's unconditional. He just places it upon our lives. None of us deserve it. Listen, you and I had might as well driven the nails in Jesus's hands and feet. You and I might as well have taken the crown of thorns and pushed it down on his head. We should have been the ones down there casting lots. They were, they were literally casting lots for Jesus's clothing. That means they were gambling over his clothes. 
And so there's nothing that we deserve about the love of Christ. And there's so many times in marriages that we get to a point where we just feel like we can't forgive our spouse. We can't forgive them. And then we allow a seed of bitterness to come into our hearts. And I want to tell you this, that just as um, selfishness is the enemy of service and sacrifice, unforgiveness is the enemy of faithfulness. Unforgiveness is the enemy of faithfulness. I want to tell you, you allow a seed of bitterness into your heart and pretty soon you'll find yourself being unfaithful. If you can't forgive your spouse, if you can't let it go and let it be water under the bridge, then you will find yourself one day being unfaithful. It may not be that you're in the arms of another person, but your mind will begin to wander. Your eyes will begin to wander. And Jesus said, listen, if you've lusted in your heart, you've committed adultery. But what begins to happen is it begins to become a wedge that is driven between us and our spouse. And we've got to be able to forgive. And so we, I'm going to turn it over to Susan, but it's a place, it's an important place that we have to get to. We've got to realize that if we don't do this, it becomes like the epicenter, like the center of the earthquake that brings our destruction. It can literally destroy our marriage. Um, Colossians three thirteen, or actually it's like 12 through 14. It says, so chosen by God for the new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you, compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, and discipline. Be even tempered, compliment against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. Um, forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. Regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic, all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Um, Forgive as quickly and completely as a master forgave you. That means don't hold on to any tiny little seed. I know it's easy to bring up those small things like him not taking out the trash or me tripping over six or seven bags or, um, you know, just little things. It's easy to let those things get in your mind And those little things build up and build up and build up like the snowball. It builds up and builds up until they're huge. Um, And one of the the reasons we have to forgive the big things so much is because we we hold on to those little things. It's easier just to say, you know what, Brandon, I really want you to take out the trash. Would you please do that? But I forgive you for overlooking it this time or next time. So um, (laughs) out of respect for Christ, be reverent to one another. You know, be um, kind to one another out of respect for Christ. Don't hold on to the bitterness. Don't be bitter at each other. Don't be angry with each other. Um, and that's out of, not just to benefit yourself and your marriage, but out of reverence to, to Jesus Christ because that's what he did for us. Um, on a more serious note, as I, as I stated earlier, Brandon um, was not did not have a relationship with Jesus early on in our marriage. Um, it was probably the first four months of our marriage. Um, there were times when I would I be... I thought you were going to say that I was not always the wonderful man I am now, but you are obviously wonderful. that didn't happen. Um, there were times when I would be, I would be at home um, on a Friday and Saturday night, and he would be out. Um, he would be out with his buddies or out with... Um, I mean, there were always, always guys, but um, he would be out... <laughs> <laughs> out, out partying, and he would um, come in and ha- he would be- have drunk too much, drank too much, whatever the word is. But, um, you know, did it make me happy? No. Was I mad? Yes. But I realized that I had to get over that. I realized, 
um, I might not realize it until after he was living for Christ, but I, I knew that I couldn't hold on to that even, um, even several months after he was um, saved. I realized that if I were to hold on to those seeds, it would not only cause the bitterness, but it would, it would, I would begin to question our relationship. I would begin to, to wonder, is he going to do it again? Or um, what was he doing while he was out? So even on things more serious, it could be the greatest things in the world, but you have to forgive your husband. You have to forgive your wife. Um, you cannot have a relationship with them if you don't forgive them. One of the things that I think about, too, is I know there's a lot of times when people um, have major things going on in their marriage. And, and some of these things, I remember one time I came home, we were actually living with my mom and dad while we were fixing up a house, which actually we still live in. And it was about 2.30 in the morning. I'd been out with one of my buddies. We'd been out drinking for quite a while. Um, came in 2.30 in the morning. My mom meets me at the door. Nothing like living with your mom when you're 24 years old. And she meets me at the door, and I got one of those talkings, you know, at 24 years of age. And basically, don't you know you're married? Don't you know this? Don't you know that? What are you doing? And it was somewhat of a wake-up call, but it was those things that Susan would have to forgive. And, and I've had to forgive myself for. And sometimes there are huge things in our lives that we can't seem to forgive. But I want you to think about it this way. Jesus died on a cross and forgave us. So who are we to harbor bitterness or anger, or unforgiveness against somebody else. It's, 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 and here's the crazy thing about it, is the very thing that motivates us, that bitterness and that hatred that motivates us, and in some ways becomes our motivation, our warmth, it ends up being the very thing that causes our destruction. And so we have to find ways to forgive, and I believe that we find that through the cross and the forgiveness that we've been given, that we can offer that to other people. And I saw that so consistently with Susan, um, in, uh, in our relationship that she was a constant source of grace for me when I, shouldn't have, I didn't deserve the love she continually gave me, and yet she did it anyway. I wish I could tell you like some dirt on her, but like truly, <laughs> truly she is like, as far as I know, she's like an amazing woman, and she always has been, and I, I, you know, I think like the worst thing she's probably ever done was like drink a wine cooler or something, and so, but she, has, she is just an awesome, awesome woman, and, and I'm so blessed to to have her. I mean, the things that I have had to forgive are like punctuality and schedule changes. You know what I'm saying? It was like, I've never been on time for anything since we got married. And so, but, but I've seen that grace from her where she's had to forgive me for things that were much, much bigger. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that. Um, we're going to wrap it up real quick. The last thing I want to talk to you about it's out of, and I'm just going to tell you the scripture. It's out of John, the Gospel of John 15, 12 through 15. And it's where Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he's um, sitting there and, and he's talking to his disciples. And he says, listen, um, greater love has none of this. A man would lay down his life for his friends. And he tells them, I, you're no longer my servants. You're my friends. And he says, basically, I've held nothing back from you. Everything that the Father has told me, I have told you. And so I've held nothing back from you. And the next thing that we've got to do in our marriage is we've got to communicate. We've got to get to a point where we're actually talking. And guys, this is, I know for me, this is my worst area. I, am, I, I talk to people all day long. When I get home, I can, I can literally sit there and think of nothing. I know women think men can't do that. We can. 
We can sit there and totally zone out and go to it. I don't know if it's another dimension. I don't know what it is, but we can go somewhere where we can sit and not talk. And I've had to learn, man. I've had to go back and look at things and realize why is it that I don't share more? Why is it? And it's not all just sappy, emotional stuff. You don't have to sit there and gaze into each other's eyes. It is just sharing your lives together. And it is difficult and it is a challenge. I mean, for me, it is a challenge. I don't like to do it. And, um, but it's something that's so important. If Jesus didn't hold back from us, he withheld nothing, then we need to do the same with our spouses. We need to hold back nothing from them and begin to share all of our lives together. Um, I think Brandon mentioned, has mentioned before, but we've been going to um, meet with a counselor the past three, two months? Two months. Two months. months. Um, a, um, it's a marriage counselor, and some of his buddies in school suggested that we do that. Um, you know, at first we were like, we don't have any problems. You know, we have a good marriage. Um, but I'm then telling you. how dysfunctional yeah. we really are. <laughs> but, yeah, go on. But I'm telling you, that was the best thing that we have ever done in our marriage. Um, we realized that there were, there were small things that we didn't want to leave on the table. We, wanna, we want our marriage to be the best that it can be. Um, is it perfect now? No. But I believe that it can and will get better. But one of the things was the area of communication. Um, our, we both realized, of course, women like to talk more than men about their feelings and emotions. Um, Brandon, like you said, I mean, he, he can sit there and not say a word, and he is not thinking about a thing. I mean, he is absolutely just, I don't know what he's doing, just looking. Um, <laughs> But I realized, and at first that bothered me. I was like, you've got, what's wrong? And I would, you know, what's wrong? What are you thinking about? What are you doing? I mean, constant until I think he finally made up stuff and to tell me. Um, thinking but, about your beauty. But guys, it's important. It is so important for your wife to know your heart. She needs to know your your desires of the world. She needs to know what you want in life. She needs to know your vision. We've been talking about vision. Um, we've been, you know, she needs to know where you want to go in life. Um, you know, it's not just about what you do. She doesn't, I mean, she wants to know what you do on a daily basis, but she wants more than that. She wants to know, you know, where, where's our family going to be in 10 years? What are we going to do? What's your heart? Um, and that's one of the things that Brandon and I realized through this going to this counseling is that we weren't doing that. Um, we were both walking alongside each other, but I don't know that we are heading for the same goal. I don't know that our, the, the end point would have been the same unless we communicate with each other. And it's much easier walking hand-in-hand going to the same purpose than it is one dragging the other. It's um, a lot less weight, and it's a lot less um, bumps to go over if you're, all, if you're looking for the same goal in life. And I know for us, when we, we began to communicate better, and this is all new. I mean, this is a new thing for me. We've had to do some crazy stuff. That I'm like, and some of it we that they told us to do. I was just like, no, I'm not doing that. And and but but it's it's helped us come so far in being able to talk to one another. And I'm telling you, if you would have told me on my 10th anniversary that you know you need to go, you're going to go to this council, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. I'm like, you're crazy. We don't. That's we don't need that. We're, we don't have any major things going on. We're fine. But as she said, it's one of the best things we ever did because we realized how much more there was that we could gain. I mean, we were settling for this and God has got this. It's kind of like we talked about a few weeks ago. God wants us to live uh, not in just a home whole land. He wants to take us to that land of milk and honey where we've got the sustenance and the strength, but we've also got that something extra that makes it 
a little bit better. And I'm telling you, it improves the entire, the entire marriage. Every area of your marriage begins to improve as you begin to talk and communicate more. And um, listen, we don't, last thing, and I think she's shown you this today, but the last thing we want you to um, do is think that we're perfect. Obviously, I'm not after this talk. Um, <laughs> But the, the thing that we want you to see is that, listen, we are, we're walking this out too. And I know there are people here today who um, you've literally been through hell and your marriages have been through hell. But I also want to encourage you that Jesus Christ is able to redeem and to heal. And he's able to restore. And I want to encourage some of you who are here and you're going through tough times, don't stop. Don't turn around. God is capable. God is big and God can do it. I know there's some of you here who your spouse, you're just thinking, if my spouse would get on board, listen, pray for them, love them, you'll be surprised how they turn around when you begin to love them unconditionally and just continue to love them and pray for them. The power of prayer is absolutely amazing. Nothing is too far gone that Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit can't put it back together. And so I want to encourage you with that today. Um, I want to tell you, that uh, no matter where you are, God loves you, that God has a plan for you, and that God wants to make your marriage, your future marriages, um, your relationships so strong. He wants to be, as Ecclesiastes says, that third cord in your marriage that binds you and your spouse together. And when you begin to see yourselves as one flesh and you share life together, then you're going to care for one another. You're going to love one another, and God is going to bind that thing together so much that no man can separate it. And so I want to encourage you with that today um, as we get ready to go. And why don't we stand up and we'll pray and we'll get you out of here.